Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I'm joined by a panel of very experienced tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic, developers' productivity and performance metrics. Before we dive deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. So I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and your interests outside of work. So in no particular order, Juan, if you'd like to kick us off. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me here today. Um, my name is uh, Juan Hernandez. I work as an engineering manager at Aways. We are uh, Europe's largest managed vacation and rentals and uh, holidays uh, resort company. Um, I've been in the IT industry for the past 15 or 16 years. And uh, my journey started as a front-end developer. Um, but I have to say that later I, I transitioned into back-end development. And uh, over the years, I also assumed roles uh, of team lead and tech lead. Uh, currently, I'm a manager. Um, although my career uh, is a, my, my career title right now is a manager, I consider myself still a back-end, back-end developer. Uh, I'm uh, originally from Guatemala, uh, but I've been residing in Copenhagen for the last five years. Um, yeah, in my spare time, I, I, I enjoy reading, uh, and recently I've been taking the big challenge of learning Danish, uh, like uh, <laughs> oh, a real, big challenge. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, it's, it's definitely a, a challenge, um, and also training to participate in the next Copenhagen Marathon next year. Very optimistic about that. Best of luck both on your, your journey through engineering from an engineering to leadership and then also on your, your pursuit of having out a marathon. I mean, really insightful and I'm sure it'll go well. If you're listening to the podcast, I do have a, another episode coming up very relevant to this. It's titled, If You Don't Use It, You Lose It, The Engineering Ladder's that Dilemma, whereby you go through this journey from an engineer to a leader position and you stop using the technology. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today we're here to discuss developers' productivity and performance metrics, and Christina. I'd love to have a little introduction from yourself. Yes, thank you, Conrad. Uh, I'm actually really grateful and thankful for being part of this podcast. I think this is a topic definitely very much debated, uh, especially lately. Um, And in general, it's always it can be a controversial topic. So I'm very excited to be here also to share my point of view and how we've done things and also to hear from the others. As for me, uh, I come from Romania and uh, I moved to Denmark 15. 13 years ago um, and that's also when I started my professional uh, experience as a back-end engineer more. <laughs> I stayed in the back-end <laughs> um, and then I transitioned uh, into a lead role and then a manager role and more recently now for the last uh, few months as a director. 
Director of Engineering. Um, I currently work at Issue. Issue is the content publishing uh, platform. Um, so maybe similar to how YouTube has uh, video content, we have uh, like text text content, and there's a version of the publisher side that publish content, and there's the reader side who consume content. Um, right outside of work, uh, I know I also mentioned this in our previous podcast, uh, Connor. I have two small daughters, uh, three and six. So my outside work is full of kids' activities and uh, things to do for them, with them, and uh, and the like. <laughs> so that's my those are my hobbies at the moment. Thank you very much for the intro, Christina. And last but no means least, Stefan, if you'd like to give us an introduction. Yeah, sure. So thank you for having me here. This is really interesting also to me. I think it's it's a super topic and something we can always be better at and understand more of as we, we talk about uh, metrics and how people are actually progressing through their career. So super interesting topic. I am an engineering manager in Microsoft and I work on a product called Business Central, an enterprise relationship management product uh, doing financial yeah, software uh, for small businesses. So I've been in Microsoft for 15 years and before that I was 10 years in the industry. So I've, I've, I've been around, done things, uh, seen people. I've had lots of different roles and many of them being in a, a manager role of some kind, either as a technical manager or as a human resource person on the team. So it's been it's been interesting yeah uh, in my spare time i i ride my motorcycle and most people know me as the guy who rides the motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> i'm the guy making a lot of noise in the basement when you come to work uh, either the music or the engine of the motorcycle so that's me and um, i spent my my free time working on the, on an organization called Bakker, bikers against child abuse and and i'm really Spending a lot of time trying to avoid child abuse in the world. So that's uh, the big topic of mine. But in, yeah, professionally, being an engineering manager in Microsoft has a lot of opportunities and, and gives me a lot of um, of impact on the team and the product. And that's really cool. So I'm excited to hear about this topic also from you guys. Maybe I can learn a few new tricks being the old dog here, right? <laughs> Thank you very much, Stefan. I mean, different companies, different industries, but hopefully some commonalities as well as different approaches and insights, exactly as you say. So I'm very looking to, looking into um, diving deeper into this. And prior to the podcast, I asked each person to put forward a question. And I mean, Juan, if you'd like to kick us off with the, the proposed question that you put forward. Yeah, sure. So uh, in relation with the productivity and uh, performance, um, I guess it's uh, quite well known that uh, some of the aspects of the software engineering are uh, easy to measure. We, we have some quantitative metrics uh, and there are multiple uh, frameworks or, or methods where we can see numbers on how the productivity is, is going with the developers. You can measure tasks, you can measure commits, you can measure uh, hours, uh, work, and, and multiple more things. But then there's this big aspect of uh, all the developers that, of course, it comes with the human part of all the all all the team, uh, and is the the performance. And there there are multiple things that are considered soft skills that usually are not easy to measure. And I know there is no one 
one for for all, but there are a couple of challenges when, when measuring things that are not that visible, but that might be not important for different companies. Uh, so my question was, um, how do you measure the, the performance uh, on subjects that are not easy to measure, like co-design, uh, effective work, uh, communication, uh, mentoring? Awesome question. I really like that question because it speaks to something that we don't do often, which is talk about the interpersonal relationships, right? How we 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 work together as engineers. Yeah. And then and I think that's at least something I hold close is looking at the feedback I get from other people and looking at the feedback I get from from peers to describe how we work together how the result we deliver is received and how we receive other people's work. I think that's a really interesting perspective to get on metrics. Uh, so it's not metrics alone, but also feedback and observing reactions from other people and uh, looking at how quality is perceived by others and getting consensus on designs and reviews and some of these things. I think that that's a very interesting question. Yeah. And about you, Christina, what do you think? Uh, yes. Very much agree that building software is a team's sport. So it's not about the individual performance alone and you going uh, uh, yeah, all the way in, but it's about collaborating a lot and communicating with your peers. Uh, I thought about uh, like maybe two more concrete ways of how we actually try to tackle this uh, at the issue is um, so we put two things in place that I think really give a give overview of these uh, of these more soft skills topics. Uh, one of them is uh, 360 feedbacks. That's something we implement two times a year, and it's basically a set of questions. Uh, some are on a scale from one to five, or one to ten, or strongly agree, strongly disagree. Take it as you want. And some are open text. And these questions are also specifically asking. For example, how good of a collaborator this person is, right? And then you get this uh, rating or also the feedback, um, like 360 meaning all around you. So you get it from your peers, you get it from managers, you get it from, if you're a manager, also from your direct reports um, and so on. So I think this paints a really good uh, picture, you know, of assessing somebody's uh, soft skills. And I can say from experience that the... The gold <laughs> is actually in the open-ended uh, questions. So in the open text questions, that's where you get, you know, the most concrete feedback and also interesting insights of how people could be doing things differently, more or less. So that's one thing. Uh, and then another thing we recently introduced more towards the developer experience survey and more towards the developer experience is a survey where we also have some of the questions uh, where we try to assess um, collaboration or documentation, you know, within the team. So it's also more on the, not the yeah technical hard skills, right? But documentation is important for better collaboration across teams. So we have questions that we ask on, on topics like that, also as part of our uh, more recent developer experience survey. And there it's also a combination of rating, like questions that have a rate from one to five and open text where people can give their uh, suggestions of how things could be improved. 
So we use these two. I think it, they blend well together and actually complement each other. I'm curious about this uh, this 360 one. So I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'm also curious about the day-to-day feedback. Do you collect that and summarize that uh, in, in like a team or in within managers and in one-on-ones or stuff like that? Uh, yes, not yet. So I think that's that's the ultimate goal, right? That feedback should be continuous. Yeah. But I think you need to take different phases as an organization to get there. You cannot just go there from day one. So you need to you need to have feedback as part of your culture. And so we started with this two times a year, um, 360 feedbacks. And then, of course, there's feedback happening in one-on-ones. But that's what we are aiming for, having a truly mm-hmm. feedback-oriented culture where, yes, there's a way of how you can give feedback at any time to anyone. Yeah. I, that's a very good point. No, I, I totally agree. You can't just force it on people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, cult, the culture of, of having feedback in the team can be driven from, from anything. It does not have to be driven from above. It can also be cultivated in the team, right? And I, I think that's that's also a thing that I kind of stress on our discussions in the team when we have uh, discussions around a certain architecture, a certain uh, dis- discussion on a solution or a review or something, to have that open discussion in the team and and talk about, I think we should go in that direction and have the pros and cons and be open about whether or not we think it's a good design. We don't all have to agree, but at least we can get some kind of consensus in, in the area of of this subject and, and thereby also kind of evaluate each other's ability to present a, an idea and to to showcase why and why not something is great or not great and thereby bringing up the quality of the discussion in these non-technical more fuzzy areas mm. yeah it's a great question yeah yeah i actually um i am i'm a I really like the, the 360 degrees, so I, I really agree with uh, Christina about it. I think it's a uh, it's a great uh, way to don't be biased, don't be the only one who is giving the feedback to this particular developer, and other people will be involved, and they will, of course, have different points of view on what things are good and what things could be improved. Um, I personally believe that the one-on-ones, regular one-on-ones, are a very good uh, tool as well for you as as a lead or as a manager to keep providing the feedback that sometimes uh, the the developers want to gain certain skills. Let's say uh, for more seniority, you need to gain certain skills other than just coding, right? You need to be able to have like a, um, a clear communication. You need to be able to uh, pick on every detail that you could see when while things are happening. And you should be able also to communicate in a way that is uh, clear, consistent, and will not offend people, right? So we are all trying to, to work together and, um, and work as a group. Um, and I think uh, I, I personally use the one-on-ones to, to to try to um, get that uh, periodic feedback. Uh, and the reason why I ask this is because I, I really consider the attitudes and all the soft skills very important. And, and the more you progress in your career, they, they become every time more and more important. Uh, and that's why you might not see leads or, or, or managers 
that are not uh, a people's person. Um, because if, if you are not feeling comfortable with the, uh, talking with people, with the, being able to communicate or, or being able to um, help other people, then, then probably it's not, it's not going to work. And the same uh, is, uh, is applicable for developers that are trying to transition to a more uh, tech lead role, for example. They, they will need to, to gain these skills before they, they made the transition. Um, so I, I, I think I have a couple of, uh, of points that I, I try to, to look at when doing the, the reviews and I also encourage other people when do the 360 reviews to, to take attention to, like, like I mentioned, the, the communication, uh, like uh, how do you um, interact with other people whenever you are wrong, how do you, uh, how's the interaction, how do you increase your problem solving skills, for example, how, how willing are you to take some free time to help to board the junior, for example, uh, things mm -hmm. like that. They, they, they always, uh, they always add for, um, yeah, they always uh, help you to uh, increase as, as a developer, I would say. Yeah, there are many soft skills, many, many different soft skills. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah I agree with that. But yeah, some are more important than others, uh, but it all depends where you are um, trying to focus your career on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great question that you posed one to the group and I think you've really engaged on it. I think one thing that you said, Stefan, that really put my interest was in regard to it doesn't have to be from the top down. This could be collaboration within teams. Of course, that's one of the things that Juan's put forward as a difficult principle to measure is collaboration and standard of code. So I suppose my question would be, if you were a team member, just trying to provide value to all people within the engineering field, if you're a team member and you notice that maybe somebody wasn't delivering on this front, how would you go about delivering that in a way that is communicative and Good on the soft skills as well. That's a good one. So I, I think uh, I think it has to be transparency. I would say that be open about what you're trying to achieve here and what you want to do. Uh, and and just if you want to give feedback on the approach that somebody is, is taking, then be open about it and tell that this like be honest and say this this is conflicting with me. It's conflict with what the way I think, the way I behave. And and these are the reasons why, and and this is what I would like to understand uh, from you, uh, and and thereby you can you can easily facilitate a discussion just by being open and honest about where you are, and, and talk from yourself. So it's it's never a question about something being wrong or, or or right. It's a question about how you feel, and then then people will understand where you're coming from, and they will. They will engage in a discussion around it based on from your point of view and from their point of view, and you can find a common ground. I think that that's at least my suggestion for it. I think it's always beneficial to uh, like what to what you also say, Stefan. It's also very. Um, Sorry, Christine, you just cut out for a moment then. It yeah, I did. I was saying. Yeah, I was saying. Stefan, it was insightful when you said, "If you just take it from there." And yeah, it'll, I was trying to be on top of what uh, Stefan said, and I think it's saying that I think very helpful is in this situation, and it is a more delicate one or sensitive one, uh, is to approach to approach it with a growth mindset. So to explain it that you're coming from that angle, and 
mistakes is actually, you know, like part of uh, life. Mistakes are actually learning opportunities and we are all here to improve. So all of these are actually improvement uh, opportunities, you know? So mm. yeah, go from it, go from this angle, uh, growth mindset, right? You fail 10 times and then uh, the 11th one is is the one, right? So you don't succeed unless you have failed a few times before. <laughs> Nobody's I can people. totally support that. And every every failure you you see and you point out every time you have an opportunity to teach, you have an opportunity to coach, you have an opportunity to help someone else grow. And that is also to your own point, so to speak. It's your it's your growth to grow others. That's really important. As an engineer, we need to to embrace that we are always part of a team and we need to build a team no matter where we are and what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that summary leads us on nicely to the next question. And I'm really looking forward to this one, given the backgrounds that each one of you have. I mean, a couple of you have come from an engineering to an engineering leadership position as you climb that seniority ladder. And Stefan, I know that you've got a question directly related to this. So if you'd like to pose that to the panel. Yeah, so so I'm super curious in in what happens to expectations as people grow into seniority roles. We, we talked about metrics. The easy ones are how many bucks you fix, how many check-ins did you make, how many commits and so forth did you do? And also the social things, but but how do you measure productivity as you grow in a role as a senior? Because the productivity changes style, the things that you do changes. So I'm curious about how you guys think about productivity of an engineer as they grow in their role. Yes, an excellent question. If I might go uh, first. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. How we tried to, when it comes to expectations, because that's also what was the beginning of your question, we anchored this in our career path framework. So we have a career path framework or career path ladder, which has five competencies. Every competency has a few skills under it. And then we have five levels of progression. And inside, we try to really have down-to-earth examples of what it means <laughs> when you're in a, a certain level for that, you know, for you to be successful in that skill or competency. And here it evolves right very much from writing code when you're more um, junior and then doing more of the design and architecture things and driving bigger projects while you are senior. And the focus is not so much on how many bugs you have fixed for sure because uh, it changes as you grow. So that's how we align the expectations. And then, of course, we, yeah, based on what uh, one does uh, in the company, we try to assess, right, if they are fulfilling uh, certain criteria or not. So that way we are also transparent. Uh, Any differences in local versus remote and like these things, like where people work, how they work versus seniority? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um yeah, that's a very interesting question. So we, we, our company was completely like many other companies uh, in office and we had a really nice and tight culture. We were also all located uh, mostly here. Over the corona, we went into working more remote. Now we are into a hybrid work environment where we do come to office uh, three days a week. Uh, we have not adapted or changed the career path for you know, the setup of where you're working. So, but we have tried, for example, to make sure we put in place things that can um, help, you know, achieve some of the things we consider important, like one of those competencies. Let's take collaboration. So one of the things we've said is, as uh, established together with your team, those three days 
that you come to the office together, right? So that collaboration actually happens. So in a way, yeah, we because we have this hybrid uh, environment also with a few guidances uh, uh, in place, then I think it helps to navigate the remote versus uh, in-office challenges. Mm. Yeah, very interesting, yeah. yeah. So I will actually uh, would like to emphasize Christina's answers uh, quite um, similar, what I think, uh, to define expectations. Uh, so whenever you are measuring the um, productivity of, of the performance, it uh, doesn't matter if it's a senior or, or a junior, I think it's very important that they know what are the expectations from the company towards them so they could try to fulfill those tasks as, as their primary task. And I mean, they, they could always um, progress and being able to pick other tasks that maybe they are not meant to do it or they going to willfully uh, collaborate with other teams to help them if they have extra time i, I don't know but the the main um, focus will be to uh, to your team on the expectations that they have from you and what framework you have decided and built within your company to to define the role i think clear, a clearly defined role will allow people to to feel comfortable with the jobs and with the career paths and they will also be able to to um, define what's the next step in case that they want to be promoted from junior to uh, mid or to mid to senior for example uh, it's an easy way for for them to know it and also an easy way for for the manager to measure and know okay this is aligned uh, with the, what the company expects from a senior engineer so we have to, to mm. pay more attention on this. We, we need to uh, emphasize a little bit more on that. Um, so once I, I believe once you have this uh, structure or this uh, procedure, whether the developer is on site or, or remote, I think that's uh, not that relevant anymore. I think the, the evaluation should be agnostic of the um, the the type of work that the developer is 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 having, I I personally had experience of have a fully remote developers on my team, um, some of them not even in the in the same time zone, um, and uh, what I I could gain for that experience is of course collaboration is always important when you define what is expected, what are their tasks, and what you expect from them to to do. Um, I only work with senior engineers uh, remotely, um, but I know by a fact uh, it's a little harder when you are in an entry level to be fully remote. Uh, and the reason is because the expectations for the juniors are also lower. You don't expect them to be fully productive the first month or the first three months, maybe. They, they're going to be asking questions. They're going to be um, um, feeling comfortable with your system, and it's also on on you. It's your responsibility to be sure they could be onboarded fine, and they could just get to know everything in the company. So I think that's an extra challenge when you are a, a entry level uh, software developer, rather when you are um, senior developer that. You, you gain better skills, communication skills, time management skills, all the soft skills we mentioned before. I think they're very handy when you are on a remote position. 
Right. Totally agree. Yeah. So it leads me to another question. I I feel like I want to ask now. You're kind of touching upon it. Uh, as as you grow in seniority and and you're you're you expected to be more self-driven, uh, whereas the new guy requires more instructions and and more like driven by by some other people. How much do you let go? How much are the the more senior people self-driven in your organization? From remote to in-house? Oh, just any any whether it's remote or local doesn't really matter. I'm more curious about how much they're, they're they're taking ownership of their own work and career rather than being told this is what we need to do, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that depends on the company. Yeah. Um, are companies that are very strict in terms of uh, the process, like you are not allowed to do um, this and that. Of course, there's certain criteria that doesn't matter whether you are a senior or a junior that you cannot or should not skip, like quality process, like uh, QA revision, uh, uh, code review. Those are uh, things that are non-negotiable to skip, uh, in, in my opinion, because it doesn't matter how senior you are, you could always uh, commit mistakes, right? Um, but taking ownership is something that I actually encourage my seniors to to take ownership of things. They they are experts on that. On that, they uh, they work on the product uh, and code on the product more than I do, so it it wouldn't make much sense for the manager who is not actively coding in, in, in projects to take ownership. So I, I try to encourage people like, if this is something that you feel comfortable, then uh, you could take ownership. If there's something that I can help for you to, to take the ownership, if you want to take it, then just let me know. I'm going to, to help on that. Uh, while with the while with the juniors, uh, sorry, um, I think it's, it's the opposite. I, I, I try to assist them as much as possible. And I think it's expected that any manager will, uh, will create the environment for a junior to be onboarded properly, to, to know what's the culture, the, the, the style of work, and to make it feel comfortable. Mm. Uh, so I also don't think a junior will take a lot of ownership and then you just uh, uh, let it go. Um, and I think that will be a very risky move, uh, if you ask me. Yeah. Do you use it as a metric, like the the independence as a metric in in the developer productivity and performance? I think um, the the more you feel comfortable and the more experience you gain, um, the the more you're going to to be by yourself. You just stop asking questions because now you know what to do, right? You, mm -hmm. you will see the pull requests uh, coming like, oh, this is a good thing. Uh, instead of asking, I should do this, should I do that. Um, so, of course, you're going to see in, in numbers. I think that's something that you could uh, measure in numbers. Like, okay, now you are performing better. Uh, your productivity is better because you you do more tasks, you commit more, uh, and your your quality is good, right? That's something that, that you could see uh, as, as the time advances and the seniority advances. Mm. What do can you think? Play, can I just Sorry. play devil's advocate? So, of course, the title is performance metrics and productivity, how it's measured. And I think you've touched on a really great topic here, Stefan, in terms of expectations. 
love the answer from you two guys, whereby it is a case of setting these career path standards and everybody knows what they need to achieve. One of my questions would be, how do you avoid the lack of context? So, of course, a single number or a data point may not necessarily reflect the work that the employee's doing or be an accurate representation of the value that they're adding. I mean, it can often be like a, a qualitative number. It can often be a, a figure where they, they need to, I think you touched on it there, Juan, the productivity in terms of how much output they're producing, then does that miss misallow for things like creativity and innovation within the tech space? Because I mean, I, I did a little bit of reading. I've been really excited to, to touch on this topic and I know it's received a lot of scrutiny, scrutiny, scrutiny at the moment in regard to how effective are metrics in ensuring productivity. So how do you avoid it misaligning on these things? So the career path, how do you avoid it just being you need to achieve this to get this promotion or to rise in seniority? How is that avoided in an organisation? At least uh, the way I avoid it is with the regular one-on-ones. Mm. Uh, if someone is expected to do something and uh, you see it not happening, you, you don't see it happening like for four weeks, that is something that you could uh, always uh, remind the, your developer. Yeah, you keep, uh, I want to say failing, but uh, you, you need to improve on this or on that. So I, I think uh, it's better to have a short but constant feedback than wait for the end of the year and receive your, your performance review of the year and see that you were completely off track. Um, so I, I try to do it periodically. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on that, uh, on, on this really interesting question, Connor. Um, and if we, th- one of them is, if we think of uh, metrics, I think I would strongly advise against using metrics to measure individual uh, performance. So all these engineering metrics that we are talking about, these are for systems, these are for teams. These are for products we built, and we have to remember that this is a team's sport. So things we look at are that are good to look at, right? Are things like the Dora metrics. So you look at cycle time of a team, right? You don't, you wouldn't look at the cycle time for one developer. That's that's not the point. The point is that you want to win as a team, uh, and you look at what's the cycle time of the team, and you look at what the maybe frequency of deployments of the team, and that's how how I think uh, engineering metrics relate to uh, to yeah, how effective are they to improve performance. And another, and another um, I think, important aspect is that everybody talks about being data-driven, right? So that means you need to have some things in place that you look at, right? You are data-driven, but as important it is how you interpret that data. Right, so how you analyze it, how you are like thinking about it, how important it is for you in your company, in your context. So this is, yeah, this is actually key to um, uh, to improving productivity. And you have to be really careful what you pick. You know, like you have to, you want, you have, you want to measure what you want to improve, right? And if you pick you pick the wrong thing to measure, then you end up in <laughs> all kinds of scenarios you don't want to be in because you will also be sending the wrong incentives. And that's, you know, you have to monitor. Let's say you're never 100%. There's no bulletproof, right? Solution or metric. It depends on the company, depends on the on the context. But you have to also monitor it even after you decided what you want to improve. You have to monitor, like, how was the behavior in the amongst the engineers? Have they changed their ways of working or behaviors to optimize for that metric in the 
the way that we want them to, or in a way to game the system, right? Or like show uh, show the numbers in a better way. So I think, yeah, these are very important things to uh, to consider. Um, yeah. yeah. I can only echo what Simon <laughs> saying here, because this is super important. If you measure something, you get that result. That's how it is. If you put a number out there, that's the result you're going to get. That's the thing people can move on. So I think all of these metrics we talked about, they're signals. They're signals for us to to be inspired to look at what's the reason behind trends in these signals. If somebody is is dipping on the number of bucks resolved, then and we think that's an important metric, then we should go ask ourselves, why is that dipping? Maybe they're on a different project. Maybe they're doing co uh, co-authoring of some work in these days so they're doing a learning experience there are so many reasons we shouldn't just take one number or two numbers and say that's it 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 can be used as an inspiration to find root causes and to change where are we going as a team where we're we going as a product in this organization so totally echo that absolutely thank you for bringing that up that's really important and there's also uh, one more thing that often i think it gets misinterpreted is that these metrics are for managers to look at, for managers to define, for managers to look at. And that's wrong. You know, they are as much for managers as they are for the teams. Because if you look at them as a team, then you also get more insightful into what your maybe blockers might be or delays or where take cycle time, right? Where is it that you spend more time in what type of activity or why is that number uh, like low or high? So it can... um, spark very interesting conversations within a team and then the team itself can use those numbers to improve so in the end having a better developer productivity yeah that, actually a topic we we have here is the developer productivity so we we take time aside to look at the things that challenge us so if i feel that the build system is is awful I can find and get time to actually fix the problem. So look at developer productivity also as as work that needs to go into the work stream. That's also important. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks for really insightful answers there. And as I say, apologies for throwing a curveball in there, playing devil's advocate, but I thought it was really insightful. I think mm-hmm. it's okay to put forward these nice ideas that this is how you do things, but I think it's enabled us to really get to the nitty gritty and understand the underlying cognitions of how an engineer manager picks which metrics to use when they display that to the team and how that can affect productivity and winning as a team. So yeah, thank you for your answers. I suppose that brings me nicely onto the next question. Christina, I know that you had something to post to the panel, so I'd love to hear that one. Yes, um, this one is more on the execution side, right? So there's the strategy part where we define the metrics uh, and think what is important to measure for us. But I would like to hear, how do you make this a reality in practice? How does it look like in your companies? Have you used some off-the-shelf solutions and have those worked for you or not? Do you have in-house tools that you have built? And yeah, what were your considerations for picking one over another? Yeah, so I'm probably not the right one to answer this question. We have lots of tools. (laughs) Uh, A lot of them are are built by Microsoft for engineering teams like yours. Uh, the the whole DevOps solution is is kind of a big thing in Microsoft, right? So uh, that's the source of much data. Uh, we of course have our own um, our own uh, performance measuring systems. We understand uh, we have our own understanding of how to measure employee performance, and we use uh, tools that are built for Microsoft uh, to measure and to to talk 
uh, essentially get feedback and and have uh, regular conversations on on uh, engineering performance. So um, much of this is is in house, but a lot of it, of course, is collaboration with vendors. Yeah, but nothing I nothing you can pull off the shelf except from the things we pull well we actually produce to the shelf ourselves. So yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Um, so uh, with the with the solutions, you mean the solutions to measure the productivity and uh, performance, uh, right? Engineering metrics. Yeah, developer productivity. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, my experience, we have um, we we use the ones that are available from the vendors, um, like the uh, repositories or like. A, or um, Scrum um, uh, board and all, all the things that could give us some metrics. Um, I, I use some of the metrics pretty much as, as you say, it depends on what, what, what you look at and how you interpret uh, the output. Like, if you want me to be honest, I look at the metrics just to predict when we can finish something not to measure individual performance because as we discussed it already that is very um, uh, variable based on multiple factors you could be one week helping define a complex system and commit uh, zero code uh, but your your work is uh, more valuable than uh, fixing 10 bucks for example so we, we use the metrics, but of course we have some internal framework that could give meaning to those metrics. And the internal framework uh, or the internal frameworks I've seen, they, they of course are different from company to company as every company will have a different tone of what we are building, what's the a company culture, what is the expectations in terms of performance. Some of them are more uh, straight, some are more loose in, in terms of uh, the, the, the the numbers, the call numbers as I, as I uh, think they, they are. Um, so uh, in, in all, all the places I, I mean, I think it's, it's important that you define something custom for, for your own environment and that fits your own needs and what you want to build, how you want to achieve it. I, I know, for example, some companies that are uh, consultancy companies, for example, they might be a little bit more strict in terms of mm. how much code you commit and uh, what, what you're delivering. While in other companies, you, you probably are more relaxed and you, you value more like the long-term solution and the collaboration between teams. Uh, so I would say data is important, but Again, uh, as, as we already said, it's uh, more important to give it a meaning and the meaning is in, in most of all times um, specific to the company. Mm. Okay, and that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you could say it's a mixed solution between uh, mm. a vendor solution and uh, in-house solution. Mm. Yes. Uh, so, um, if I can share from from our experience, uh, we have used one of the vendor solutions, um, though we have found that we would like to customize it <laughs> here and there. So um, 
it was not really worth the efforts and also we had to do like workarounds so that the data actually shows in the in in, in the tool uh, so more uh, so we stopped doing that uh, and more recently we have embarked on a journey to uh, implement uh, the space framework i don't know if you guys are familiar with it uh, it's a framework uh, that is trying to capture the developer productivity from five different dimensions. Because as we know it, it's not one single metric, it's not one single aspect you look at. So when you think about developer productivity, there's actually five things you should consider. And that is uh, things around developer satisfaction and well-being. And here is yeah, how, here is usually th things you would, um, you would measure by sending out a survey and assessing how happy the developers are with the tools they are using, with the uh, yeah, build pipelines and different things you want to ask. Um, then there's the aspect or the dimension of performance. And this one is more oriented on uh, um, quality and impact. So quality would be things like absence of bugs. Uh, I don't want to say presence of bugs, absence of bugs, uh, reliability, the health of your services. So that's also things you look at um, and can make the developer's life uh, easy or really hard if you're in a lot of incidents <laughs> because the health of your services is really poor. Um, and then in terms of impact, it also looks at what the business impact the work you are doing has. So what's the how satisfied are the customers with the work, the features you are creating, how um, yeah, how many users are using the feature and uh, yeah, metrics around this. Then there's the dimension of activity. And this is the one that has been very much talked about that, yes, you should be looking at like number of pull requests, like volume, volume of documents produced, volume of uh, code reviews done and, you know, having a cadence around this, but be very careful not to look only at this. They can be signals, like Stefan was saying, or complement. Um, and then similarly, like counts of how many incidents you have, how many um, yeah, failed uh, deployments and um, how many builds are failing from the ones you are trying to produce. So very data, uh, things you can measure in the, in the systems. Then there's the dimension we touched on actually in the beginning, the soft skills or so communication and collaboration. Um, and there's different things how you can assess this. And uh, the last one is called efficiency and flow. And this one is basically the DORA metrics is an implementation of uh, efficiency of flow as defined by the space framework. So you have your cycle time, your um, frequency of deployment uh, per week, per month. Uh, how fast can you recover when you have an incident like uh, time to recovery and uh, also how, how many of the um, deployments you do actually cause an incident. I'm forgetting how that one exactly is called. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So we are trying to implement this uh, through like different data we can collect through the systems and just putting them in our own data warehouse and then being able to do different aggregates over time, over teams, uh, and then complement that with uh, developer experience surveys for yeah to get some insight into the things uh, yeah, you can't me measure with, with data, like mm. with uh, numbers from Sounds very similar to some of the things we're doing with signals, where we are collecting feedback from everyone in the organization uh, on a lot of these satisfaction and well-being and other that are not quantifiable information. Uh, talking about well, how how's your relationship to your leader, how's your relationship to your team, how's your relationship to the product, 
and 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 how do you see your role in that going forward so yeah that's super interesting yeah, yeah. Nice. that's why i think developer productivity is such a complex uh, topic because it's so nuanced it's <laughs> not just about the metrics and it's not just about how uh, yeah <laughs> how you well collaborate or communicate it's uh, it's exactly. uh, many things the team the setting the environment what you're working on a lot of things impact how productive you are as an engineer absolutely but i find Super. that this framework is very uh, very it's, it's a very good reference to help you yeah. drive improvement in uh, in your teams. That's a good idea. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, that leads me on to my last question, which now in hindsight, given everything that we've just discussed, developers' productivity and performance metrics are so multifaceted. There's so many dimensions to consider that if I give this general question of how effective do you think they are, I think I'm just going to get a room with it depends how you're utilizing them, what framework, what's the use the useful of using in this instance. So I'm going to rephrase my question if that's okay with you guys. I'll just put you on the spot. I'll ask a little bit more time if you want to think on it. What I'd like from you is one instance where you found a challenge utilizing performance metrics and the way in which this was overcome. I think that'll provide more insights and value than just the, oh, it depends and it's multifaceted. So maybe just a challenge and the way in which you overcome it as an organization? Mm, that's a good question. Okay, I, I think I have one that might be of interest. So we we have a, what we call live site, which is customer reported incidents and things that come from the, from the customer channel. It's a big part of what we do, and it's part of being an engineer and being productive is... Uh, yeah, handling life site incidents. So making sure that the customers feel uh, that they're being listened to and their issues are being tracked, so to speak. And we have some metrics around the time to mitigation. We we talk about how long it takes from something to be reported to something being uh, being fixed or at least mitigated. And sometimes you get outliers in that that are so crazy that you you need to address them, right? <laughs> And and um, it, they could be just uh, simple things that uh, like I got I got sidetracked or I forgot or something like that uh, that um, that you need to address. But it can also be because there are underlying bigger issues, fundamental project or product uh, issues that simply makes uh, mitigating certain tasks uh, very cumbersome, tedious, uh, or simply impossible or very difficult at least. Uh, and and I found at least in some of these cases where I investigated some of these metrics that, that there are some things that we hide from ourselves because well it's just a simple manual task somebody can just do that and and I think it's a very important thing to take responsibility for see for that and make sure it gets into the planning and fixed so we don't have these uh, outliers but yeah it's a very top of mind thing that just uh, from your question inspired me. Yeah. Oh, I think that's insightful. Don't overlook things and ensure that they are included so that you can action it. And as you say, you can make it a part of the, the plan moving forward. But any of the other guys, I mean, it was open to the floor. So is there any way that you can think of a challenge and the way in which it was overcome? Uh, I want to add uh, actually first to Stefan's um, point is that also some similar guidance we have in our teams is that mitigations or improvements that come out of an incident are treated as P0s uh, tasks. So they are automatically added in the next sprint or within the current sprint even. So you have to you have to address them, you know, in order not to be in that situation again. So you have to get to a better place. Um, the example I have in mind is uh, 
from a time when we where we looked at uh, the cycle time for uh, for the different teams and we spotted that, uh, that it's, it's again about the outliers right <laughs> like whoa this uh, this looks completely off here compared to other teams like what is it that they are doing differently you know better or worse so when we started looking into the details of the pull requests and the cycle time like the time it takes uh, to review something and then have that change being deployed uh, the team actually noticed a few patterns and a few. They came up with a few improvements. So on the code review uh, time, I think it was taking maybe like even like three, four days in some cases. So they came up themselves with an agreement that they want to review each other's code reviews uh, like at least uh, every 24 hours. So then they set up a, a setting where where something would go stale, it's called, and they would be notified. And or like also on the Slack or Teams channel, it will post every day like, hey, this uh, pull request is open for more than four hours, which is the, what we agreed upon as, as a team. So a way for them to get notified. So that was an improvement they took out of this. Took out of and this. Another, another thing they another noticed, thing they noticed uh, was, was... It just depends to be echoing at the moment. Yes, I was wondering. Yes, I was wondering. It's just me hearing that. Just me hearing that. No, it does seem to be. Maybe it was Stefan's mic. Hopefully, that may have solved it. I think he just muted himself. <laughs> I think it may have been coming through that screen. I mean, don't worry about this, guys. I'll I'll look at the recording and, and crop that again. But yeah, just continue where you're up to. Christina and we'll come in. Um, yeah, the, the second insight uh, we got when we analyzed the cycle time for one of the teams was also that the deployment time was uh, taking longer uh, in that particular case. And the reason was some instability with the end-to-end -end test. So they that was something that we identified because we were looking at that and we could pinpoint it. Uh, even though before maybe it was a feeling that all oh, the end-to-end -end tests fail maybe more often than we would like them to, then we could see how that reflects in the in, in the numbers. So that was also an improvement we uh, we took away. Nice. And last but not least, last but not least, one. Yeah, I would say one of the challenges I I faced. Um, um, was when we were measuring the metrics of uh, every task and um, and the status of every task. And apparently at some point, uh, back on one of my, my previous experiences and my previous jobs, um, the tasks you could see that they, they usually change to status that meant the tasks were not clear for the developer to perform which means that the developers usually lose a lot of time on switching context, like take a task, the tasks have some reasons uh, why they cannot be uh, done or, or a blocker or something. Uh, and of course the productivity of the developers when switching context is, is not the best. Um, and uh, this was something that uh, of course had to be discussed with product uh, and the engineering team as, as, as itself, why, why are we having these this tasks for the developers to, to do one? It's, it's not clear, right? So, of course, this was more like an underlying problem that we, we had to fix and uh, make sure that everyone is on sync and on board of what we're doing and uh, the, the, the tasks where, where, uh, where are in the overall picture of the systems that we are building, right? So 
we we try to do a more refined process that allows everyone to just jump into the code and know the context and understand why why we have to build it like this. Uh, so we'll not risk quality, but we're also not gonna uh, we were not gonna lose uh, time. Um, I think was one of the uh, the, the, the interesting uh, challenges that I had back then because it, it not only involved the engineering team but also some uh, some product because uh, uh, yeah as part of the manager also you use you, you have some stakeholders and the stakeholders sometimes they just want things done now which uh, it, it goes uh, in the opposite direction of the engineering team that they want to do things in a good way with good quality, right? So it was just a, a matter of finding the balance between uh, both uh, stakeholders. Yeah, and I think some nice interesting points, they're all very different examples, you know, Christina's and Stefan's were similar, but from yourself as well, Juan, and this is what we want to provide value on, not only tell us all the good things about performance metrics and how well your organization is doing, but just to provide some value and some, I suppose, some actionable feedback for other people who may be listening, the experience is somewhat challenging and they can go in and action that in their company. So yeah, I appreciate you. I know that I blindsided you with the question, but I appreciate you thinking on your feet and providing some examples. So thank you very much for that. At this stage, what I ask is, is there anything final to add or any further questions from you guys? Not from my side. Okay, perfect. In which case then, I'd just like to thank you all for some amazing contributions. If you'd like to join me on a future podcast, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Connor Leyland. Or alternatively, drop me an email at connor.leyland at evolution-nordics.com. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you soon.